Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. i tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Nothing too fancy today. Wide receiver preview part two. And this will be our final episode on uh, position previews. Then we'll move on to sleepers, breakouts, and busts next week. We also have a bonus episode coming tomorrow on Saturday uh, with your latest news. Josh Jacobs wants to catch 60 passes. Le'Veon Bell is light and feeling good and we'll see what that means we'll talk about all that on a separate episode today we finish up our discussion of wide receivers basically by going all the way through adp you heard strategy from heath and ben and dave yesterday we uh, we made a substitution dave is out today jamie is in hello jamie what's up what's up boys good to talk to you again Jamie uh, is having a power issue at home, so he is in a different setup. He sounds a little bit different today. We do apologize for that, but he's still going to give you great advice. You are the only one who didn't really give a a wide receiver strategy, so before we get into ADP, you want to give your overall wide receiver strategy? Take the good ones and let everybody else take the bad ones. That was mine, too. Mm, Smart. Very smart. Uh, But in terms of the rounds you're targeting or the players you're targeting? I'm I'm basically living in the round three, four, five range for my first and probably second wide receiver. And then it's kind of, uh, unless I'm drafting with Ben, uh, taking Wolf Fuller or Marquise Brown or one of those guys. And uh, Deontay Johnson is another guy that I'm targeting quite a bit. Um, you know, the guys who I, I look at as, you know, more breakout guys. And then once you get past that group, it's, uh, you know, whatever your your favorite sleeper is, a guy that I tend to draft a lot is Anthony Miller because I think he's going to have a good third season. Okay, we'll get into all those players. Let's start. Let's get right to it. Round one, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm looking at Fantasy Pros, ADP, half PPR. Michael Thomas, uh, I don't know if it really matters where he's going. We talked about when to take him, but he's going fifth. He's going about the same as Alvin Kamara, just ahead of Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in half PPR, but... Then three picks later, it's Devontae Adams, then Tyree Kill, then DeAndre Hopkins. And Julio Jones is early in round two. So, again, like I said, we have a con- uh, said this yesterday, we have consensus top four of Thomas Adams. Is it Hill three and Julio four? Is that how we roll? format, I think. And PPR, I've got Julio over Hill, but it's those, like, they're right there. Right. Same. Yep. And then we just don't have Hopkins there. Dave likes Hopkins, um, but... That's the top five on Fantasy Pros. And uh, then after that, it gets more interesting. Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. And then that, then you're basically done with round two. Round, uh, round two is very... Not wide receivers. It's everyone else. There's a couple of quarterbacks, a couple of tight ends, and a lot of running backs, and two wide receivers. Godwin and Galladay. And then round three, Evans... Beckham, Allen Robinson. Why don't we stop there? That's 10 wide receivers. So you got Hopkins in with that top four to make it a top five in ADP. Then Godwin, Galladay, Evans, Beckham, 
and Robinson. These are top 27 picks, top 10 wide receivers. Heath, you want to weigh in there? Yeah, I mean, you've got some guys there, I think, that really change depending on format. A guy we've talked about a lot is, I think most of us have as a bust, Odell Beckham. But Kenny Galladay in half PPR is really interesting because I do think his low catch total hurts him a little bit in PPR relative to the other top 10 wide receivers. But in non-PPR, I think you can make a pretty strong case for him at number five or six. So in half PPR, he probably deserves, like, I don't like him in the second round, but he deserves to be at that two, three turn. Galladay had only 65 catches last year. He was third in non-PPR. He was ninth in PPR. If you just look at his eight games with Matthew Stafford, he was on pace for 70 catches, 1,280 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Is there any chance, do you guys think Kenny Galladay gets to 80 catches this year? Yes. Is there any chance, or Uh, do we think? Forget about what I said. Is there any chance? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Kenny Galladay gets to 80 catches? I want to see what I haven't projected for, to be it's honest with that, you. But it's not that difficult if he's going to see the amount of targets that we hope he sees. Yeah, I have him at seventy-six. I don't really see why not. I mean, he is definitely a downfield receiver, so maybe it's a little harder for him to rack up high catch totals. But that also helps his efficiency as a player. I, I don't think last year's target rate. I mean, you go back the year before, he saw significantly more targets per game, if, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think the the real close rate between him and Marvin Jones last year is indicative of what we'll see this year. I think he'll be up around 130 targets. It is it is interesting because you know Ben has said his um, disdain for Marvin Jones. Is that a good word to use? Yeah. Um, whereas Heath obviously loves <laughs> Marvin Jones. Um, I think that's kind of you know indicative of where you're going to come out on Kenny Galladay probably. If you're, you know, think that Marvin Jones is going to be such a big contributor, you're probably going to be uh, not down on, on Galladay. He clearly is not down on him, but a little bit concerned about the catch total and what the the numbers could be. Um, and also I think you got to factor in what TJ Hawkins is going to do uh, as we, you know, spoke about on uh, Twitch on Tuesday night when uh, Michelle, I'm not going to butcher her last name from Majuk. Uh, Majuk. Majuk. Yeah. Um, you know, said that, and and Ben seemed to agree with that. Uh, you know, Fawkinson has a, a good second season. You know, both these guys could lose a little bit. I think I think the most interesting thing with Galladay because he's such a good downfield option and such a big wide receiver is what happens with the touchdowns. Because you said it, he was on pace for 14 touchdowns with Matthew Stafford. I think he had eight in his first two seasons combined. The touchdown rate from last year is not sustainable. But is he an eight-touchdown guy or a 12-touchdown guy? That probably determines whether he's a top six wide receiver or not. What's the difference between him and Mike Evans? Not Mike Evans this year because that's a different conversation maybe. We're about to get to him in ADP. But is he basically just what Mike Evans has been? Not as good of an offense for a production, right? Evans was so dominant in air yards compared to all other receivers over the last couple of years. Um, and just got a lot of downfield opportunity. I think similar players, but probably just not as good of a situation. Well, not even that. Like we're, We've talked a lot about how Galladay hasn't got to 120 targets yet, and he will this year. But year two, Mike Evans had a hundred. Like year one, Mike Evans had 122. Year two, he had 148. Year three, he had 173. Like he right, was right. a huge target share guy. As in, in addition to being in a downfield guy. It's yeah. funny if you were to ask anybody, would you take Mike Evans' numbers for Kenny Galladay? I can't imagine anybody would say no. No, I, I, I 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ben always makes. But the funny thing Evans... is that we all have Galladay. I think we all have Galladay ranked ahead of Evans. Yeah, I think I have Evans ahead of Galladay. I think Evans is. Yeah, I do. I have him wide receiver eight. I think he's massively undervalued, but mm-hmm. we'll get there. Oh, I didn't realize he was. No, he was already in this group. I'm sorry. So it's Godwin, Galladay, then Evans, then Beckham, then Allen Robinson. That's six through ten. Uh, I just want to tell you, Odell Beckham. How many targets do you have projected for him? One thirty-two. Okay. I have him at, yeah, 129. All right, so I said, let's say he gets 130 because he had 133 last year. If he gets 130 and he's as good per target as he was with the Giants, where would he finish? Because he was was on pace for 160 or more targets every year with the Giants. But you take his pace and you give him 130 targets. In four or five seasons, he would have been top 10 in non-PPR. In three or five seasons, he would have been top 10 in PPR. In every year, in any format, he would have been at worst wide receiver 16. So that's if Beckham gets 130 targets, which is what he got last year, 133, and he's as good as he was with the Giants. wasn't It wasn't very good last year, but he was playing hurt. He's so interesting. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him, on Odell Beckham? Dave called him a bust. Thinks he's going to have fewer targets, and obviously there are health concerns. But uh, Ben, what do you think about Beckham? Definitely intrigued. Um... For all the reasons you said, I mean, first year with a new team last year, played through injuries. A lot of reasons we would expect that he could have been worse than he should have been, basically. I mean, I have him at wide receiver 14 right now, which seems a little low, but I, I'm, he's a guy I'm concerned I don't have enough of. He's, he's kind of the, um, the fallout from taking a lot of A.J. Brown and, and Juju Smith-Schuster um, DJ Moore in, in the third and fourth round, I, I don't wind up getting Beckham a lot, but that's not necessarily because I think Beckham has markedly worse situ- like, uh, like range of outcomes than those guys. It's, it's just that I don't want to take him enough, but yeah, I, 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 I think the way you phrased, framed it is, is very promising. If he can be as good as he was, always was, and he always was, uh, he could be much better than, than, uh, we expect. Well, and that's what that's what I was going to ask is like, I think there's a little bit of a difference between the Beckham in terms of efficiency, his first two years in his career and the three years after that. Um, that year one, he was 10 yards per target. Year two, 9.2. Obviously elite both those years. Never over eight and a half again. He was a huge touchdown guy the first couple of years. And he was a, an okay touchdown guy after that. So like it's been really since his second year that he's had that monster efficiency. If you're telling me he's nine yards per target, Odell Beckham, then yeah, he's we're we're too low on him even at 130 targets. I mean, to ask him to be first off, he's not gonna be worse than he was last year. We played 16 games. That's as bad as you're gonna see a 16 game Odell Beckham. I, I I can't imagine him being worse. The problem is is that he's you know, and we talked about this that when he was with the Giants, he had Decent complementary weapons around him, right? He had a young Evan Ingram. He had an aging Victor Cruz, you know. So Jarvis Landry's as good a running mate as he's ever had. They add Austin Hooper. And now you bring in this run-heavy system where we already had one report where the Browns are going to give 15 carries each. It was 15 carries, 15 touches. I think it was 15 carries, right? I think so. 15 carries each to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, which they probably deserve, you know, based on their pedigrees. How does this all work? I don't, I don't see how it all works. And so that's the, the problem. So, um, and again, that's a report from a writer. So take that for what it's worth, but you expect the running backs to be heavily involved. You expect that they, you know, prior to today when they did the, the two tight ends eclipsed Austin Hooper, he got the biggest deal ever for a, a tight end. 
And Landry, I know he's coming off of hip surgery. He's still going to get his, his opportunities. So where does Beckham fit in after averaging a career low 65 yards per game? And is it going to be significantly better? Is the touchdowns going to get back to the level that we're used to seeing from him? I just don't see it. So what you got from him last year should be a little bit better. To what heights? Yeah. I, I, I'm not buying it. Well, he wasn't I think even the a big top concern to your point is that he plays the Stefan Diggs role last year in Stefanski's offense with everything you just said. And, and Diggs didn't even get to 100 targets as good as he was. That's and scary. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. He had, he was Beckham was wide receiver 31 in non PPR, 25 in PPR. He also had a really, really tough schedule last year. He only faced three teams that were worse than 17th in fantasy points. Uh, allowed to wide receivers at the end of the year. That was an unusually hard schedule, but he's in a pretty tough division as well, so he didn't do well in, in his division. Uh, do you guys take Allen Robinson ahead of Odell Beckham? Yes. yes. And does anybody take Mike Evans ahead of Chris Godwin? They're pretty close in ADP. No. no. I don't, but I don't think it's at all wrong. Is Are you convinced that Chris Godwin is a stud deserving of a second-round pick? No. Yes. Almost. Godwin is really interesting to me because we talk a lot about AJ Brown's efficiency regression. We can, we talk about a lot of these things uh, for a lot of players. Godwin had 11 yards per target last year, which isn't as high as AJ Brown, who was up over 12, but it's still incredibly high. And then when you also factor in that yards per target is influenced by the depth of the target and Godwin was a lower target guy. And if you look at any kind of depth adjusted yards per target or depth adjusted racer which is the air yards efficiency metric that i use in my projections godwin is almost as a more efficient than than his depth suggests he should have been than aj brown was i mean this guy was wildly efficient in terms of yardage on on the depth of his targets last year and he had nine touchdowns i understand he's very good in all of that but like for instance i, I the comparison i've made all offseason is dj moore who goes in the like more than around later i think it's about 16 picks later DJ Moore, they both played 14 games last year. DJ Moore played 15. He only played six snaps in the week 16. If you pull that out, they, they caught the same amount of passes. Godwin had about 150 more yards because he was so efficient. Godwin had five more touchdowns. And Moore had significantly more targets. Godwin was wildly efficient in a way that's probably not sustainable. Moore was still very good efficiency-wise. He wasn't bad, but it actually looks a lot more sustainable. And he got more targets in those 14 games in a way that uh, when you also consider it was only his second year, it was Godwin's third year. And you think about like bigger picture career type career arc things. DJ Moore is progressing. Godwin has big boom season. I don't know that he can repeat it. I think Moore should go ahead of Godwin. I, I don't disagree with that. The thing I would say though, like I've regressed him back to 8.9 yards per target, which is still towards the very top of all wide receivers um, that I'm going to project somebody for, but he was, nine and a half yards per target as a rookie, 8.9 in his second year. Like he's always been far more efficient than you would expect him to be. Um, so I, I think what it really comes down to with Godwin is how many targets does he get? I've got him at 133. If he's at 130 plus, I, he's probably going to be a top six or seven wide receiver. In Bruce, I trust. I mean, you know, you look at Bruce Arians and what he, should hopefully do, you know, we may see a, a, a change in, in philosophy as, as we're starting to hear, you know, with more two tight end sets for a coach that doesn't love playing tight ends, but you have Gronk and you have OJ Howard. And it's hard to say, let's play Scott Miller and uh, Tyler Johnson, maybe over OJ Howard. If you're going to, you know, look at the most talented players, just getting them on the field. 
So Godwin playing outside may not be the best thing for him, especially with what Brady likes to do. If they're going to keep him more as a slot guy and keep him close to the line of scrimmage and, and, and how they set up their formations, that, that's going to help Godwin in a big way. But he's in a contract year. He's coming off a big season. He's got now a better quarterback in terms of what quarterbacks do. Not necessarily a better thrower, but a better quarterback. And so, you know, and, and those sounds weird to say, but, you know, arm, arm, t- arm strength at this point, you know, for, for Brady versus Winston. Stupid conversation as it may sound. But I think Brady will be good for Godwin. So I, I don't disagree with what Ben said either about DJ Moore, but I still think that you're, you're buying into Bruce Arians. You know, you look at his track record with what he does with big slot receivers when he started it with Heinz Ward. And then as it really progressed with Reggie Wayne and, and Larry Fitzgerald, you know, it, when he was the office coordinator for the Colts and then the head coach for the Cardinals. And he carried that to, to Tampa Bay last year with what he did with Godwin. You know, that was kind of the, the selling point that, hey, he's going to use this unbelievable talent and finally get the most out of him. So I, I still think he's going to be in a good spot. It's just a matter of if he's lining up on the outside and it's, you know, and, and this is where, you know, may help Mike Evans a little bit. If they're both just outside targets, then Evans will probably be better than him. If they're using Godwin the right way, then I think Godwin's going to be the better. Yeah, I guess say he's like 133 targets. You said he'd probably be top six. It, that's a little bit of a scary number. He was number two last year, Chris Godwin, with only 120 targets. That was in PPR. I think he was number three in non-PPR, or maybe he was number two. Galladay was right up there with him. But when you look at the target leader, when you look at the fantasy point leaders at wide receiver and you look at targets, it's a lot of 150s, 160s. Um, I feel like there have only been two wide receivers in the last five years to finish top five in PPR with less than 130 targets, and Godwin's one of them. Uh, I don't know how many wide receivers you guys are projecting for like 150 targets, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's the point that, that I was trying to make. I still like Godwin. I still have him. He comes out wide receiver seven, in my projections. I'm not trying to completely bash him. It's more that I love DJ Moore. but everything you just said, I agree with. And that's the point I'm trying to make about his efficiency regression is my concern about Evans versus Godwin is Gronk is going to see more targets in the area of the field where Godwin sees targets. And everyone I think is really, applying Godwin as a slot receiver to this Edelman Welker role, but he's a different type of slot receiver. He's not going to be your option route, quick agility type guy. That doesn't mean he's not agile, but he's not that same type of receiver. He is a, a more of a a playmaking downfield slot than you, than you typically see. So I don't know that it's really fair to just say, Oh, Brady's Edelman Welker role is going to go immediately to Godwin, especially when Gronk's there. If if Brady's going to have a, a safety blanket, it's probably going to be Gronk. And I think Gronk impacts Godwin's depths of target more than Evans. I think Evans is going to see downfield looks, and I think Brady will throw downfield more than he has, like he did when he had Brandon Cooks the last time he actually had a decent deep threat in New England. All right, let's move on to the next group. And by the way, Chris Godwin is actually the only wide receiver in PPR in the last five years, at least, to finish top five with less than 130 targets. Julio Jones was number six a few years ago with 129 targets. But that's an interesting number for everybody out there, at least in PPR, uh, to be thinking about. The next group of wide receivers is Amari Cooper. He's wide receiver 11. By the way, we're late in round three, mid to late round three in 12-team leagues. Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, and A.J. Brown. Oh, boy. Fun group. Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, and A.J. Brown. Jamie, who are your, let's say, two favorites in this group? DJ Moore, for sure. Um, Over Juju? Oh, Juju and DJ Moore. Yeah, because, like, buy or sell. If Ben Roethlisberger is normal, healthy Ben. Bye. 
Jake, right? Like, <laughs> what's this? What is going to stop Juju Smith-Schuster? And you want to talk about a guy that could get 150 targets? Uh, isn't that? Isn't he a good candidate for that? Yep, he could be the number one receiver in fantasy. Woo! Piping hot. What's uh, we had? A, we had a fun conversation. I'm sorry. I'm. You know, I know we've had this conversation before, but I'm sorry, Dave's not here for this because we had a this conversation on on CBS Sports HQ on. Thursday when we were talking about our breakouts and you know Dave uh, he correct me if I say anything correctly here because you were part of this but Dave said he doesn't think Juju can be better than what he was as a sophomore and that all of these talented receivers and we think that they're talented with Deontay Johnson James Washington and, and Chase Claypool eh. will take away I'm sorry <laughs> I just said man <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take away from Juju and that I think Dave's words were he's not the alpha dog that we're expecting to see, right, Heath? So we said uh, that is that is what I recall. Yes. And so my counter to that, because Juju was was my breakout that I listed, that I do think he could be better than what he was, because this was what we were saying about him last year, that he could lead the NFL in targets, that he could take not a significant step up, because that's very hard to do from where he was two years ago, but enough that it's the the guy that could be you know top three. So yeah. you know format matters here, I think, because I don't know if he'll. The yards and the, and the touchdowns will put him in that in that caliber of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams uh, from a non PPR standpoint. But if you factor in the catches, he should be over a hundred. He should be, you know, uh, a guy that could, you know, take the mantle of being the leader in receptions, not breaking the record like Michael Thomas did, but right there. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he's number one in PPR. Well, he doesn't have to be much better than he was two years ago. You know, he finished that year as 10th in non-PPR, 8th in PPR, but it was a tr- it, it was a terrific year for wide receivers. His fantasy point total that year, Juju, you take that 2018 total, put it in 2019, he's a top three wide receiver. That's how good he was. And the touchdowns were low. He had seven touchdowns, but he was second in the NFL in red zone targets and fourth in the NFL in targets inside the 10-yard line that year. So maybe there was a little bad luck. So we like DJ Moore. We like Juju Smith-Schuster. The other three in this group are Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, and A.J. Brown. Do they belong late round three? Thielen, yes. I I actually would say that that there's two that I clearly don't like here, and it's Thielen and Cooper. Uh, Thielen, my, my, I, I can see Thielen. I don't want to call him a bust. Um, I picked him as a bust for our, our, our bus article this week. And I wrote in it. I don't really think of him as a bust. He's going to get plenty of targets, but if I'm looking at a low volume receiver, um, or a low volume offense and trying to make that bet, I want it to be a player like AJ Brown, who I think has the efficiency spike potential that I don't necessarily think Thielen's going to have at age 30. He's had it in the past. Uh, but he had some soft tissue issues last year. And I'm a little bit concerned just from a physical standpoint. It's, it's just more like I, I'd rather go to, to Brown. I'd rather go to Stephon Diggs if I'm getting that type of player. It's not such a, a knock on Thielen. Cooper, I don't get, though. Cooper has to come down. Uh, it, it, like, last year his targets weren't great with Michael Gallup. Now you have CeeDee Lamb. Um, I, I think they're going to run plenty of 11 personnel and have Jarwin out there a bunch. This is going to be a pretty – um, it's going to be concentrated between those four, I think, but unconcentrated between them. I think there's going to be a decent spread in targets. I had a hard time. Like I projected Cooper for 124 targets. I, I don't have him in those big target numbers. So for me, he came out like wide receiver 20 in targets. I don't think he's like a, a, a clear, clear number one. It's more an issue, not of him, but of there being so much other talent in this offense. 
Yeah, I've only got him at 129, but I think this is about where he belongs. Like he was, I think, wide receiver what seven last year. In and non-PPR, basically, that's kind of the DJ Moore thing, where he basically didn't play one of the games. He played like two snaps in one of those games. Um, he's really pretty good. He's going to have three or four games where he just completely disappears, and it's super frustrating. But we don't. I don't really particularly care about that too much. Um, he's been a top 12 receiver before last year. He was in the second half with Dak two years ago. And so like, I, I think CD lamb can have an impact. I think Gallup, I love Gallup as a number three wide receiver, low end number two. I still think that Amari Cooper is right in that borderline number one range. Who do you guys think gets more targets? Amari Cooper or Adam Thielen? Thielen. I have Thielen by two. Yeah, I've got Thielen uh, by five. And I. it's interesting because the Vikings, I mean, Ben was comparing Brown and Thielen. I don't need to do that. But the Vikings and the Titans are both teams that I think we need to project for more pass attempts than they had last year, just because last year's pass attempts were so ridiculously low. And we don't really know for sure that there's another wide receiver that Kirk Cousins wants to throw to on this roster right now. Like Irv Smith's going to take a, big, a step, I think, and Kyle Rudolph will get his 50 targets or whatever. But we don't know that Justin Jefferson's going to step into that Diggs role fully. So I think Thielen's targets are pretty secure around 130. Yeah, wow. and, and to be fair, I just looked and I have Thielen's target share at 25%. It's probably low. I have Browns at 27%, for instance, in a similar offensive setup where he doesn't have a lot of competition. And I have Brown for more targets than Thielen. I probably shouldn't be projecting Brown for more targets than Thielen. I can admit that. Do you, do you um, think the Vikings and the Titans are bottom five pass attempt teams? In the NFL, what are the chances of that? Do you think they will be? Probably. Yes. They were last well, year. I, I think I would he's say right that the Vikings will throw more. I think the Titans are going to try really hard to to not throw more, but they're going to have to. Um, you know, this is a point we drove home earlier with Brown, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on Brown, obviously, but fourteen point one yards per target from week ten on when he was a full time player. Derrick Henry was also remarkably efficient. He rushed six point five yards per carry during that stretch. To close the season, the Titans averaged 7.3 yards per play. It would be, if that was over a full season, it would be the, the all-time record. Um, but I think what's funny is Derrick Henry, 6.5 yards per carry, actually brought down that 7.3 yards per play, right? Because passing is so much more efficient than rushing. Brown was clearly their lead receiver. I think the stat was that he had more yards in that stretch than either of their other two receivers. His 14.1 yards per target is literally why they were so efficient. And during that time... Um, uh, they paced for fewer than 400 pass attempts, which would have been the lowest in, in however many seasons. If you regress AJ Brown's efficiency, like you should, you have to assume the Titans are going to throw more. They had one of the four lowest pass attempt totals in the last half decade plus uh, last year. So there, I, I think why, they're, why, why do they have to throw more though? Because I understand, I understand the expectation is n- numbers wise. They should throw more because it's just wacky to think that they can't throw more. But as we know, unless Things fall apart for them. They made the best run that they've had in years. So why would they want to change things? Well, part of it is the the, the actual like efficiency when you think about how 14 yards per target happens. That's AJ Brown taking a slant to the house last year. We saw that. That's why oh, it was so I, good. I, I, I get I get that, but you know well, that I, creates game situations where you're leading, and that and and like if that's an incomplete pass, then you throw more, right? Yeah, like been, yeah, or you're trailing in more games, and you have to or throw you punch. more. They've or been you, that's that's five. the thing I'm I'm concerned about is that yeah. Mike Vrabel is coming from the Belichick tree of our defense is good, may not be great, but good, and he's a defensive coach. Like, do you want Ryan Tannehill's attempts to 
dramatically increase or significantly increase whatever the the number percentage you assign to it, or just let's try and be still a conservative team and, and kick field goals to win games. If they I, had 50 attempts to last year, they'd still be bottom five to Adam's yeah, I, original question. Yeah. I've got them at 500 and I've got Minnesota at 519. So okay. and those are two of like, I think I've got Seattle at 510. That's, that's the, the bottom five right in that range. Okay. Well, the point is Tennessee's been bottom five in pass attempts four straight years. And in the last five seasons, we've had only one wide receiver finish top 12 in PPR on a bottom five pass attempt team. That was Doug Baldwin in 2015 or 16. I think 15. Now in non-PPR, it's I'm, different. I'm just, we've had sorry. a wide receiver do that four times, and we had Stefan Diggs finish 13th last year. But it's just difficult to get the catches that you need. And, and 130 targets for Thielen, if they're going to be a bottom five pass offense, that does seem high. But I guess the target share would be pretty high as well. I, I could see them not necessarily... This big leap but like closer to bottom 10 than bottom five just because i do think that you're going to get the defense regressing and not because mike zimmer wants it to because i think they're going to end up having to throw the ball more uh even though you know you have kubiak system i'm just curious uh for both of you doing your projections how much what's the catch difference between Thielen and brown your projections i've got Thielen at 88 um i've got brown at 70 I have Brown uh, too higher just because I, I do what? have a target share pretty high. <laughs> you have Brown catching more passes than Thielen? Yeah, I, I just noted I have him getting more targets, and that's probably a. I but probably you're, but you're changing low. that, right? I was probably too low on Thielen's target share, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's fair to say that they would be similar. I don't know why you wouldn't expect Brown to come up. So Brown didn't play full time until week 10. If he plays full time from week one, this is exactly the argument I made last year with DJ Moore. Exact same argument. And he got a, a 150 target pace last year. I know Carolina threw way more passes. Brown's a much, uh, he's a different type of receiver than AJ Brown. He oh. is, but he had a 15 or uh, for the full season, I think it's like 13 or 14 a dot and still had a 25% target share. That means if they add any kind of like bubble screen work, if they try to build off his yak or anything closer to the line of scrimmage, which I expect, I expect his average up to target to come down. I don't think he's just going to be a play action downfield guy this year because he's going into year two. Uh, that means that he should add target share on top of that. He got a monster target share as a downfield guy, like you were just talking about with Mike Evans. He did that from when he became a full-time player. But the, the comparison to Moore, he's going to be a full-time player from week one this year, not from week 10 on. That's great. Right, but from week 10 on, he was on pace for 59 catches. They were on pace for fewer than 400 passes. Be real about that. That's not a real pace. They, they averaged 7.3 yards per play. I mean, just the raw numbers. A.J. Brown had 52 catches, 1,051 yards, and eight touchdowns as a rookie. I mean, that is so good. A.J. Green had 1,057 yards uh, and seven touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, Julio Jones had 959 yards. I'm not sure if he played a full... No, he only played 13 games. Andre Johnson had 976 yards and four touchdowns. Just incredible numbers for A.J. Brown as a rookie. It's very, very exciting. Okay, next group here. Uh, I do need to just promote a few things. Like I said, we have a bonus episode coming up on Saturday. You'll hear it on Saturday. We're going to record it on Friday. Uh, we'll catch up on all the news that you need to know. We've got a mock draft next Monday. Uh, mock draft Monday is our is Monday's show. We'll talk about a uh, recent mock draft we did, and we've got sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And Tuesday night on Twitch at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be joined by Adam Rank. We're going to be doing a mock draft every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, till the season starts. And we're giving away eight spots in our Twitch Listeners League to subscribers next week, twitch.com slash today. Back to the wide receivers. We are now at 16 through... Let's go 21. 
16 through 21 here. Uh, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, and Keenan Allen. Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, and Keenan Allen. Jamie, anything stand out? Devontae Parker is way too high. He shouldn't be in this group. When yeah, this should, should not be a tier. Like, is it? Did you go through like four rounds with reading off those wide receivers? <laughs> Eleven picks. <laughs> Cup is pick forty, here. and Keenan Allen is fifty-one. Yeah, no, it, this is very different than the way we have it. So, what, what's your read on it, Heath? Uh, Cooper Cup and Calvin Ridley are both in my top twelve, and Devontae Parker is not in my top twenty-five. So, like, there is a wide chasm between these. And I think Tyler Lockett deserves to be up there with Cup and with Ridley. I actually have Cup and Ridley ahead of a couple of some guys we've already talked about. Cooper, um, A.J. Brown, Mike Evans. So, I think, I think Lockett deserves to be in that group. I think Lockett deserves to be in that Kenny Galladay group, really. Um, it's, so, yeah, I don't know why Devontae Parker is being talked about in the same breath as these guys. Well... Cup, Ridley, and Lockett would be terrific round four picks. And some of them are going into round five. Uh, what a, Parker, too I, it's early. It's funny, though, because I, I think we see Cup more in round three than round four. I, we do, sure. He's 40th yeah. here. Let me check on NFC. Ridley's one of only 11 receivers I actually have ahead of A.J. Brown, the guy just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Staked my old reputation on. Like I'm so. just gonna tell I'm just tell everybody right now, three players that have ADPs that I think or four players that we really like at wide receiver. Yep. I'm looking at NFC and I'm looking at fantasy pros. DJ Moore, Juju Smith Schuster, Cooper Cup, and Calvin Ridley. You were talking about late round three to round four picks, and I think we'd all be very happy to get them. And Robert Woods might be in that discussion too. Yep. And for like anyone that. who watched who listened to the running back pods, that's why it's it, for me, it becomes even more precarious to talk about those veteran running backs that were hoping rebound the, the Todd Gurley's and the Le'Veon Bell's and the David Johnson's that, that whole class, because there's so many good receivers here. Jamie, does Cortland Sutton belong here? Um, the tail end at best, you know, I, I think we're, we're looking at clearly a receiving core that is changing and he was so dominant. Like he was better. Uh, I think more than half, or more than double, excuse me, uh, targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns than the second-best guy last year uh, at wide receiver for the Broncos. And so they add Jerry Judy. They add K.J. Hamler. Uh, they got a, a lot faster, and we're expecting Noah Fant to be better in year two, and they have a better pass-catching back in Melvin Gordon. So there's a lot of competition now for targets for a team that I don't think is going to all of a sudden morph into the Chiefs. As much as they're trying to replicate the Chiefs, they're not going to become the Chiefs, especially not in 2020. So um, following the, the draft, Sutton was a bust for me because he was going in this range, but we can't sit here and say all these rookie running backs are going to regress because of the lack of off season and the veteran running backs are going to gain and not say the same thing about the receiver. So Locke is the most rapport with Sutton. You know, he didn't put up his best numbers in those five games that they played together last year, but still that's the the guy that he's going to, I think rely on the most. And he's still their most physical receiver, uh, most polished receiver, all those things. So I think he's still in the number two receiver range, but I wouldn't put him in the Ridley uh, cup, you know, he's he's closer to Parker than he is those guys. Okay, fair enough. And then, boy, Keenan Allen is just someone that I cannot <laughs> draft. I just have, like, no excitement to draft him when you still have Metcalf and Woods and McLaurin um, yeah, and behind I, him. I, what do you think? I don't, like, I, I like Keenan Allen. I, I wouldn't put him in the Ridley group. I actually, in PPR, do have him ahead of Sutton. 
Um, and de- definitely ahead of Parker in both formats, I believe. Um, it It's tough because Keenan Allen is an elite wide receiver. And if they run the same offense, which we really don't expect them to because they're starting the year with Terod Taylor, but if they throw 560 passes or something and he just sets a career record, then Keenan Allen's probably going to be a value where we're drafting him. If he, if he gets a, like kind of like if he gets 125, 130 targets, he's probably going to be really good again. Um, and maybe Herbert is just awesome. And by week three, we're not, this discussion was all ridiculous about Terod Taylor. So I think there's some upside here for Allen, especially in this range. It's just that there's a lot of reason to be scared. What are you projecting for their team pass attempts? 250. Uh, <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm still like, if Taylor played 16 games, I would have him setting a career high in pass attempts by quite a bit. I've got him at 530, which is almost 10% below what league median was last year. But I almost think if you're looking at it, you want for the receivers, you want Herbert to play for two reasons. One, I think he's going to be a better thrower, better passer than, than Terod Taylor. Two, their team is probably bad. And so if their team is bad and they're putting the rookie in because, hey, it's development time and let's see what they have for next year, they're probably either chasing points because some guys in the defense got hurt and what we saw from them over the last couple seasons. Or it's just, hey, let's see what he can do and, and let him throw the ball. So um, I know watching Hard Knocks, uh, the first episode, you know, he was doing that throwing challenge, whatever, you know, it was hit the target and thrown into the net. He throws a pretty pass. You know, it's going to be a matter of can he can he hang in the in the pocket and handle the pressure and 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 all the things that come with being a first year starter with the lack of an offseason. So, if I'm drafting Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, I, I'm I'm actually hopeful to see Herbert a little bit more. The play will be worse because Terod Taylor's a more established quarterback and knows it too. But the attempts, I think, will be up. Attempts should be way higher because to his point about projecting five thirty, and I know he's projecting a mix of starters. Uh, Taylor's 16 game pace as a starter is about like 460. So that'd be like uh, 70 additional pass attempts over what he typically has. And that's because of how high of a scramble rate he has. And because of how high of a sack rate he's always taken, he's typically been someone who doesn't let the ball loose right away. He tries to create in the, and, and see guys open before he throws. And, and I know Bill's fans weren't big, a big fan of that. That's not like to, to criticize him. I think he's a very good player, but you like, think Tyrod Taylor a is a lot very good fewer player? team attempts. Think Tyrod Taylor is a very good player. I do think he's a very good player. All right, um, let's take a break there. And by the way, Tyler Lockett also in this group. Tyler Lockett was a top three wide receiver before that mysterious injury that we still have no idea what the hell happened and how serious it was and how it affected the rest of his season. That was like nine games. He was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, it seems like it seems like the industry is settling on Lockett over Metcalf, but just barely. But Metcalf is in our next group of wide receivers, and we'll talk about him along with McLaurin and some others when we come back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. And we're back. Here we go. DK Metcalf. We are now into round five. Uh, finishing up round five. DK Metcalf is wide receiver 22. Robert Woods. This is half PPR. I don't know. How much does it matter with Robert Woods? Like, where should he go in PPR? Where should he go in other formats? He should go ahead of DK Metcalf in both. In all. Heath has no love for half PPR. He spits on half PPR. Um, I think Robert Woods is going to have a big year. I like him better than Cup in any PPR score. Yeah. Yeah, I I think... um, Like, I don't want to... Who else is in this group? Okay, we got Metcalf, Woods, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin... Stefan Diggs and T.Y. Hilton. Okay, so I'm going to have to. I didn't want to say I don't think DK Metcalf should be in this group, but I would like I don't necessarily think that DK Metcalf should be in this group. You hung me out to dry today on HQ because I thought this is what you're gonna say. You <laughs> yeah, went right to Deontay I, Johnson. We weren't even talking about Deontay Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Dave's breakouts, and I was picking the one that I thought was the biggest bust. But yes, I just I don't know. Like with A.J. Brown and Adam Thielen in these run-heavy offenses, at least they are the clear alpha number one wide receiver and they have no serious competition for targets. D.K. Metcalf is in one of these types of offenses and he's not the best wide receiver on his own team. And his team has like 17 tight ends and they're going to run the ball 400 times a game. So I just, I really don't think that D.K. Metcalf is a top 25 wide receiver in in anything that has to do with PPR or non-PPR. I I think that I can make a case against every single thing you just said. <laughs> I agree with it, so let's hear it. Well, no, and I, and I don't disagree either, but okay, he's in a run-heavy offense. Well, historically, I think they were 23rd in pass attempts last year, but they have talked about Wilson throwing the ball more. Wilson wants to throw the ball more. He's the second-best wide receiver on his team. That was certainly true last year, but he was much, much more productive than Tyler Lockett was as a rookie. So I don't think it's inconceivable that he's better than Tyler Lockett. And I think he can do more things than Tyler Lockett. What else did you say? Oh, they have 17 Wait, tight ends. Whoa, 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 they, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. He can do more things than Tyler Lockett? Yeah, he can play. Yeah. Like he's a more complete wide he's, receiver? you got to remember, he's, a, he's above six foot four. You know, so anybody he, that's tall. He, he is he's tall. He's an alpha. He, he has he superpowers like because of his height. But he looks, <laughs> Tyler Lockett can play in the slot. He can play out. Outside, like he, he looks the guy like an alpha. Wilson trust. He looks like the guy who could be an elite alpha wide receiver. More so, he, than, he looks like that. I agree. That does not yeah, mean and, that he can currently he, do more things than Tyler Lockett I'm can saying, do. If he takes that leap in year two, because 900 yards as a rookie, it's a really good mark. Okay, but you'll agree that he cannot currently do more things than Tyler Lockett can do. I agree. The last year. He couldn't. I don't know about what happens in year two, but I agree that you should not approach it as if he's a better wide receiver than Tyler Lockett. It just wouldn't surprise. I don't think it would surprise anyone if he becomes a better receiver than Tyler Lockett. Which of the well, year... Oh, wait. I, I didn't finish uh, Sorry. picking apart. He's, they have 17 tight ends. They all suck. Uh, <laughs> and I uh, don't really... Slandering a cane. Look all, at the, uh, all the running. Yeah. I. You know what, Heath? 
Russell Wilson is the maybe the second best quarterback in football. He's never given us two top 24 wide receivers. So something has to change. They have to throw the ball more. And that or should they be could a, just continue that trend of never giving us two top 24 yeah, wide receivers. That's what I mean, I, 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 that, no, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. It's like they're both being drafted in the top 24. You have to, you have to be aware that if everything is the status quo with the Seahawks and they're what they usually are, one of those guys is probably going to disappoint you. So I, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying that that the Metcalf versus Lockett thing, I, I really think could go either way. But I definitely feel like you guys are right. You have to have Lockett ahead. Well, I I think the and this was the question I was going to ask, um, and I know one is not A.J. Brown, but which of the rookie receivers from last year who were good regresses? Because they can't all be great. Why not? So we have McLaurin. Why not? You expect that's, them all to be great? That's not the way that it works, no, generally. Well, okay, we're gonna talk, how many are you talking about? Because only three of them were great last year. Well, I, I would McLaurin, Metcalf, and Brown. Brown. Yeah, I guess only those three. Uh, the one that I I don't know. Well, you can answer that. Who are you most concerned about? Metcalf. I'm, I'm most concerned about Metcalf too. Yeah, and, and I don't think this means he's he's terrible. But no, I I think it could be a scenario of first off, there we're going to probably you know people that are listening to us in, in a month and they say, well, you guys didn't talk about Josh Gordon because they signed him. Um, you know that, that's still out there. The flip <laughs> side of that is, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this on on the Friday show, is uh, or the show that we're recording Friday. Chris Carson left the team for uh, a personal reason. Yeah, hopefully everything is okay. If this is Carlos Hyde for a stretch as the starter, let's say Chris Carson misses time and Rashad Penny's not right, Mr. Unlimited is getting his wish <laughs> and throwing the ball a lot more. And so then hopefully Metcalf is, is great. But if the offense is still what it, the offense has been, uh, I could see Metcalf having a little bit of a sophomore struggle because he's going to be the one that's on the outside more so than not and facing the tougher competition. Yes, and he has horrible cornerback matchups. Right. Horrible. He's among the worst in the NFL. Metcalf does? Yes. Well, first of all, he gets Peterson and Jalen Ramsey twice. So, and and uh, Peterson held him to zero yards last year. I, re- my, I have a really quick, my favorite DK Metcalf stat. Over at Player Profiler, they have a target quality rating stat where they, they grade the quality of passes. His was 11th best of any receiver. Then they have a true catch rate that looks at the catch rate of catchable passes. His was 103rd. So I think when we talk about how good Russell Wilson is, Metcalf got that play in his rookie year. For him to take that big step forward, he's going to have to do more himself. Okay. Yeah, he will. Uh, all right, so Robert Woods is the best value here. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Stefan Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, and DJ Chark. Um, so... You've got some year two guys in Metcalf and McLaurin. You've got DJ Chark in year three, and then you've got more established veterans, Woods. We'll take Woods out of it because we've established where we like him. Uh, how do you look at Chark, McLaurin, Diggs, and Hilton, and Chark, Ben? Chark, McLaurin, Diggs, Woods? No, and who Woods, was the last one? Woods. Hilton? Hilton? Hilton's deep for me, behind Metcalf even. I'm just... I, I think it could be fine, but there's just I, there's too many young, exciting receivers that I that I want to to go with an older, in, potentially injury prone or, or has had some injury issues recently type receiver. Woods is the highest for me. He's in his own. Uh, he's in a tier with Cooper Cup and and Lockett. Um, Diggs leads my next tier, and then it's McLaurin and Shark really close behind that. But I do sometimes take McLaurin and Shark before Diggs because Diggs goes so much later, and I can get Diggs on the way back sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's how I rank those. I love DJ Chark. The the more the more I look at it, and the more the situation is. We we spoke to uh, 
uh, Mark Long covers the Jaguars for the Associated Press, and he brought up an interesting point that, you know, the Jaguars have three guys that are going to see playing time in some regard, not named LaVisca Chenault, in Conley, Westbrook, and Keelan Cole. And he said that they're, uh, they're, they're probably going to put Conley and, and Chark on the outside with Westbrook in the slot and then work Chenault in eventually. Think about those guys. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, just, they're just guys. And Chark showed you last year what he could be in the first half. Uh, he may have struggled a little bit in the second half, but now he's entering his third season. He knows who his quarterback is, as last year we saw. You know, there was, you know, some shuffling back and forth once, once Foles was healthy. But, I mean, this is a team that's going to throw the ball so much. Their, their defense is bad, and their run game may not be better. So do you so, like him better than Metcalf? Oh, I like him better than Metcalf, absolutely. McLaurin? Yeah, I, I think tar- targets are going to be significantly in his favor. And, you know... Uh, is he better talent? I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, I think, you know, Chark showed us something last year that he can be uh, more than just a deep threat as well. You know, he averaged just under eight targets per game. I think he could be close to nine. All right. How about everybody rank these three? DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin. I have McLaurin. I put put McLaurin one spot ahead of Chark and then Sutton. So you go McLaurin, Chark, Sutton? Yeah, but they're, you know, back, like half PPR and non-PPR, I would take Chark. So I, I, I go back and forth between those. Yeah, guys. McLaurin and Chark to me are like the same guy. I love them both. And I have them back-to-back in the same, same ranking as you for the three. I'd go McLaurin, and Sutton, Chark, but they're all in the same range. Next group, wide receiver 28, A.J. Green. Then Michael Gallup, who's eight picks after A.J. Green. Green's like uh, in a tier of his own on Fantasy Pros. Eight picks between T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green. Eight picks between Green and Michael Gallup. But Green, Gallup, Debo Samuel, that's too early as of now. Um, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, and then Marquise Brown. Put Marquise Brown in there. Um, so we'll take Debo out. Just tell me real quick, where where do you where would you take Debo right now? Much he later. falls so far. Around 12 or later? Ooh, I I'd think at 10 or 11, I'd take him. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say 10. You know, he's one of those guys, it's, it's, he's the lottery ticket running back at wide receiver. Because if he's right and you're getting him in double-digit rounds, you're going to be thrilled with that. If he's yeah. not right, you're going to cut him pretty soon because he's going to spend six weeks on the pub. So right. uh, sorry, early Jamie. August is going to determine – I'm sorry, at, at late August is going to determine what his fantasy value will be. All right, so then we got A.J. Green, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, and Marquise Brown. Uh, are these, by the way, definitive, like, number three wide receivers for you? A.J. Green, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, and Marquise Brown. I think Green should be in a tier of his own because who in the heck knows? Like he <laughs> might just be an alpha number one wide receiver with a rookie quarterback, the type of a prospect we've never seen before, on a team that throws six hundred passes. Um, I I have him ahead of all of these guys we're talking about. I, I'd rather have AJ Green than Devontae Parker. And I think there's legit top ten upside there, and there's legit Oops, uh, downside. Do you feel like, though, with A.J. Green is more just injury? Because if he plays, he'll still be in that 20 to 20, 20 yeah. to 30 range. I, like, yeah. I, I don't I don't see him just being awful. I, I can't see him being awful. And, but, and like, we don't, we try not to make anything. All we're getting are these little practice videos. He looks energized. Like, he looks happy to be there with Joe Burrow. So, for, for whatever that's worth. Mm. Right. Like, I, I think this is uh, this is the right spot for him. This this is the type of thing like, you know, if you're comfortable with how you start your drafts, your first uh, what 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 round is he going in? Is it, is it round six still? 
Yeah, at the very end of round six. Okay, so if you're comfortable with your first five picks, and let's just say it's a three-receiver league and he's still sitting there, that's fantastic that he's your third guy. But if you go with only one receiver in your first four rounds, I know that makes Ben throw up. But if that's the, the case, your your first five rounds, um, and he's your number two, but you, you know, hopefully love your first five picks. You know, maybe you go three running backs, quarterback, tight end. I'm sorry, three, three running backs, receiver, quarterback, or tight end. Then, you know, that's the, the, the great thing about AJ green. Like he said, he could, he could be top 10. He could be, you know, worst case. I think 16 games of AJ green is no, no worse than the 30th best wide receiver. Cool. So then we go to Michael Gallup, Debo, Sam- oh no, not Debo, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, Marquise Brown. And then I'll just throw another one in there. Julian Edelman, who was a top 12 wide receiver in both formats. I think he was number seven in PPR last year, but we've got, uh, yeah, we've got interesting names here. Gallup, Landry, Boyd, Brown, Marquise Brown, Julian Edelman, Ben, who stands out there and who are the avoids? Edelman's a clear avoid for me. Just you're losing Brady. Didn't play at all in 2017. You only played 12 games because of suspension, but in 2018, only has three 16-game seasons in his career. Just not somebody that I, I want to bank on. He's wide receiver 34. I know. It's just a clear avoid for me with the amount of uh, young upside that I can instead target. Fair enough. You know, uh, Cam Newton's never had a wide receiver have 80 catches. Olsen once yeah. and McCaffrey once. The closest ones receiver. weren't guys like Edelman, right? They were probably Kelvin Benjamin and Steve, Devin Funches. Steve outside Smith. Guys. I think Steve Smith. Right. And then Benjamin and Funches. Yeah. So the, the ones that I really like that the AJ green discussion was so interesting because I have no idea what to do with him, but now you guys got me excited again. That guy is so elite. And I mean, he went through most of his career with such a a young, probably not very good Andy Dalton that his numbers don't even say how good of a player he is. So yeah, maybe he just has his best season ever, but Marquise Brown for me is the best receiver in this group. Um, I mean, he was very, very good when healthy last year. We don't know how much they're going to throw. It's another guy who needs team volume to come back up. But if they do throw more, they almost certainly can't throw less. Another team that is likely to add pass attempts just because. Um, Brown is was also hurt a little bit last year. He's well positioned to, to do much better this year. Gallup, I like. Boyd, I like. Even if Green is good, Boyd was better. He was more efficient when Green was healthy. He saw a lot more targets when Green was out, but... Uh, definitely I think would help Boyd in certain ways if Green was was active and healthy and doing well and this whole offense was doing well. So those are the guys I'd target in this group. I, I think an interesting question because I've got Gallup quite a bit higher than Brown in my projections. And sometimes I just take Brown because I don't want to totally miss him this season, but it's never a point where I take Brown because I think he's the best value available. I have Michael Gallup as the number two receiver and with a solid number three for 20 more targets than I have Marquise Brown this year. It's so funny with Gallup because I think everybody immediately after the draft said, Oh bleep he's done. Cause they pay Cooper hundred million dollars. And then they spend a first round pick on CD lamb and you look at it and it's like, we've said this a lot. I just don't know if people have absorbed it enough. There's 166 targets available just with the two guys alone that have left in Witten and, and Cobb. And so if if you just take the, let's, let's say it's 80 targets that what, 83 targets, I think it was that Cobb had or Witten had. I know one of them was 83. They both um, were. They both were. Okay, perfect. That uh, makes sense because it's 166. Good job. Yeah. Smart math. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I, I think if you just, you know, if you say CD Lamb is pushing for 100 targets, so 83 to 100 is, is probably fair. You guys can tell me where you haven't projected for in terms of targets, that Gallup's not going to lose. And if he does, it's not going to be significant. 
And so like Dave is always pointing out his drop drops and, and his drop rate. And, and that, that's certainly fair. He's entering his third season. You know, he should continue to, to be a significant part of this offense. He really is the one guy that's going to stay on the outside. And so it's not like Dak is going to be a dink and dunk quarterback. He's still going to throw the ball and challenge the, the barriers. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, he's still such a good spot. And the value is amazing. It's absolutely Yeah, it's ridiculous. quite a discount. I mean, 77th overall for Michael Gallup after what he did last year. I, he, I, I think he didn't have, what did he have, three touchdowns in week 17? Maybe people... Something like that. Maybe people... He could, uh, oh. I don't remember. The, the, the ride wasn't always the smoothest one for Gallup, but I don't know that it's going to be for, for anybody in this range. So the overall production for, was really good. For, for me, like I, I look at three guys very similar, and I have them ranked in a similar range, is Brown, Will Fuller, and Michael Gallup. And the reason I would swing more for Gallup, I mean, swing for the fences more so for Fuller and, and Brown, is they should have the most targets in their offense. They may not have more ta- targets than Gallup, but that's assuming that CeeDee Lamb doesn't take the significant leap or Jarwin doesn't take the significant leap. Gallup could easily be better than those two guys. And I know Heath would probably say he is. So I, I, I get why anybody would take Gallup ahead of him. But I think they're all going to be inconsistent players. You know, you're not going to get the, the week in, week out floor, but the ceiling for those three guys could be really, really good. Okay. Um we got to talk about Jarvis Landry at some point. It won't be today, but we'll talk about him because he's not even in the top 30. And as you know, he's top 20 basically every year. So after that group, we've got wide receiver 35 is Will Fuller, followed by John Brown. By the way, we're 90th overall in ADP right now. Will Fuller, John Brown, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, 102nd overall, and then Darius Slayton. That's a group of five. Will Fuller, John Brown, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, Darius Slayton. Is there a wide receiver here, Heath, that you're just like, nope, does not belong? I would like, is this, it, this is going to sound weird because he's the same type of receiver as a lot of these guys, but I would say Darius Slayton just because I am not convinced that he's going to see very many targets unless somebody gets hurt again. I mean, Jay, we were talking about this a couple of days ago and like it wasn't just that Slayton needed an injury or an absence from one guy. One guy wasn't enough. His target share really only spiked when two of the Giants' other four primary targets, Shepard, Tate, Ingram, and Barkley, were out. And so I just I don't have confidence that he's going to be a, a big part of their offense. And I think the rest of these guys will at least give you something. The other guys are Fuller, John Brown, Brandon Cooks, and Marvin Jones, and. Uh, to be fair to with the Slayton call, I mean, he is going 17 picks after Wolf Fuller, so that makes sense. Um, all right. I, I, look, I look at Slayton, and I have him ranked ahead of Shepard in non-PPR because I do think if he does hit, he's got a higher ceiling than Shepard. But I, I can't see him catching more passes than, than Slayton. I don't think the touchdowns and the yards will be that much different. So I'd much rather have Shepard in PPR over Slayton, but... He's so intriguing because he's different than the other two guys. That's the one thing that sets him apart right. is, you know, he's a guy that can run downfield and make plays downfield. Maybe Shepard can. Tate, I don't think so. But if Slayton does become a favorite of Daniel Jones and does see in the neighborhood of seven targets per game, he's going to be pretty successful with that. I just don't see it happening, though. We're going to have to wrap up here, and we'll go a little bit longer, but... We got a show coming tomorrow, so we'll we'll finish up wide receiver there. But we're forty wide receivers in now, and we've just gotten to the rookies: Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, 
Then we got Emmanuel Sanders, Deontay Johnson. I, I mean, I think would everybody be very happy with Deontay Johnson? Deontay Johnson, 116th overall. Ecstatic. Yeah. After Emmanuel Sanders, for sure. <laughs> I like him more than Emmanuel Sanders, so that's something nice I could say about Deontay Johnson. Do you like him better than Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb? Um, I think I do. I, like I, I don't. I think I have him right behind Rugs now, but he is right in the Judy range. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christian Kirk is going wide receiver forty four, one hundred twenty second. We heard. I like that a lot more. Ben talk about him yesterday, uh, and I don't know if we're, like when we're going to get this guy, but I, I mean, doesn't it make sense to take a late, late flyer on James Washington? You know, because he might, who knows? He led the team in receiving last year, and he does a different thing. He goes, he's the downfield air yards guy in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, only concern is the second round pick on on Chase Claypool, who's right. probably going to also play a downfield role. Only concern. All right. So, any final thoughts? Like uh, Mike Williams, Henry Ruggs, Sterling Shepard, Justin Jefferson, Jamison, Jamison Crowder, 142nd overall. I don't buy that. Come on. Where's he going in NFC? Where's he going on MSC? 104th overall. Still good value for Jamison Crowder after pick 100. Uh, you heard Heath talk about that yesterday. Miko Hardman and Jalen Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Say Watkins. Preston Williams. Preston Williams. We'll get to Anthony Miller. I know Jamie likes him. <laughs> Preston Williams. There he is. Wide receiver 58. Um, this Honestly, like wide receiver 50 through 60, not that bad. Hardman, Rager, Alshon, Watkins, Tate, Miller. Robbie Anderson, Larry Fitzgerald, Preston Williams, Deshaun Jackson. Haven't even said Steven Sims. Curtis Samuel. Yeah, we haven't said Steven Sims. What does this mean? Like, what does this mean to you, Jamie, when you see that there are probably four or five guys that you could like as a sleeper, as a late-round guy? Oh, for sure. I think it it goes to show you that uh, once you get four to five good running backs, because, you know, we, we saw this in the last mock draft we did that uh, – I think Michelle and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure a couple of us have said, you know, or, or said in this draft, you know, three receiver league, the receivers kind of felt a little icky in the middle rounds because we're going to push up the value for some of these guys, you know, whether it's Deontay Johnson or James Crowder or whatever the case may be, that the guys that you could put on the end of your bench um, can still end up having some good pockets of, of weeks that, you know, maybe not 13 weeks of starting them, but, you know, if you need them for a few weeks, they're going to chance to be, very targeted or highly targeted in their offenses or targeted enough in their offenses that they're going to, you know, be able to produce and, and hopefully produce well. Well, what we'll do tomorrow, uh, other than going through the news, maybe reading a few emails is we'll give our five favorite late round wide receivers. Maybe Paris Campbell will make his way onto that list. Maybe Brandon Ayuk or Alan Lazard, something like that. Um, I got a good note on, on Campbell and, and Chenault. I'll save that for tomorrow for perfect. the beat writers we spoke to. Perfect, perfect. Great. So that is uh, Wide Receiver Preview Part 2. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll tell you to have a great weekend, but remember, we got a Saturday episode coming for you as well. So have a great Friday night to all of you out there. For Ben and Heath and Jamie, I am Adam. Wide receiver position previews are done. Let's get this season started already. Let's talk to you tomorrow. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus. 
official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.